I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There is so little that we actually know about the brain. But we're starting to learn a lot more about it. And there are several substances, neurochemicals in our brains, that completely control so many of our actions and yet we almost always humans almost always are oblivious to these neurochemicals controlling the way we respond and our brain craves the release of these neurochemicals and like a lot of things you know we can use that to our advantage chasing the release of those neurochemicals or they can ultimately lead to our demise. And the thing is, all of them, all of them are impacted and elevated by stories, by storytelling. All of this comes back to communication, connection, and storytelling. And lucky for you, today my guest is an expert in all of them. What's up, storytellers? Welcome back to the Storytelling Lab. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and this is episode 127 with David J.P. Phillips. Now, among many other things, David is the founder of Headgain, and he is a brain fanatic, I would say. And he is most well-known, I think, I would argue, or at least for me, anyway, as the speaker who delivered three incredibly powerful TED Talks, TEDx Talks about storytelling. One, the first one that I saw was The Magical Science of Storytelling. I think the first one that he did was How to Avoid Death by PowerPoint, which you can already probably understand what that means if you've ever uh, used PowerPoint a lot. And most recently, The 110 Techniques of Communication and Public Speaking. David famously studied 5,000 of the world's greatest speakers to discover that 110 communication skills and storytelling skills were the secrets to their success to giving these successful speeches. And now he uses them to help people understand how to be better communicators, how to tell amazing stories, how to present themselves better, and simply master their lives. And this is the thing. All of it starts with your relationship and your connection to your brain. All of it, your ability to achieve any and all of these things, comes back to the story that you tell yourself. 
the internal communication that you have. You must have that intact before you ever become great at doing it externally. Now, David and I have been circling around each other for over a year now to try to get to this podcast episode. I have loved his material for a long time, and he's based in Sweden, so some of it has been scheduling, some of it has been on me, some of it has been on him, but I finally had him on the show. I've looked up to David's work for a long time. He is one of the best in the biz, and... You know, I find myself saying this a lot, but like I get so moved by these conversations emotionally, like on a deep, visceral level. And I should have expected this from David because he's a pro. He's a pro pro. But we we talk about storytelling on the surface and how to tell better stories. But these are all how, these are all conversations about how to live better lives. And and it I, that sounds kind of cheesy, but it's so so true. I mean, we talked about real things like how you navigate trauma, how you overcome depression, how you navigate loss in your family, how you have a stronger connection with your brain so that you can do the best work that you were put on this earth to do. This conversation moved me emotionally, and it changed me as a person. And I hope that it does it for you as well. So here's my conversation with David J P Phillips, and I hope that you love it. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, award-winning filmmaker and writer, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Tuesday morning, I send out a quick storytelling tip to my newsletter subscribers. I show you techniques I've learned along my journey and used in my own stories, as well as those of my clients. But most importantly, I leave you with tangible takeaways that you can apply to your brand storytelling immediately. Oh, well, actually, more importantly than that, it's free. If this would help you, sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. I know a lot of the listeners to the show are public speakers or they want to become public speakers, but the problem that many experienced and aspiring professional speakers face is that they simply don't have the time to grow their business the way they would like. And look, I get it. I've been there. Maybe you're there right now. That's why I started using the team at Virtual Campfires to provide me with leads to events and conferences that are a good fit for my message. So they send me all the relevant details I need to immediately reach out and start a conversation with those decision makers. And they've worked with hundreds of speakers to provide tens of thousands of event leads, and it's easy to see why. Outsourcing this time-consuming step has saved me hours and hours of scanning Google and lets me go faster towards my goal of more events, more audiences, and more impact. All you need to do is email leads at virtualcampfires.com to see how their lead subscription business can help you the same way it's helped me. Again, that's leads at virtualcampfires.com. Let them help you tell more great stories and get paid for it. David, welcome to the show. <laughs> we've been hey, uh, we've been circling each other for a while, my friend. I'm so glad that this moment is here. <laughs> it hasn't been easy, but it, it hasn't been say, easy. Waiting for something good. 
see this is why this is why i knew it was right uh definitely shout out to taz and the rest of your team who have helped us coordinate this uh she's been on it since uh, october of 2021 um and it's been you know been a ball we've been bouncing back and forth but we are here today my friends so let's hop right on into it um the first thing i want to learn is i want you know i'm familiar with your material and i know what it's like to create things you know that have gotten some uh, attention in years past and i personally i won't speak for you I'm kind of on to the next one. Right. Yep. Like, and I'm, I'm grateful for anything that I've done in my past. <laughs> uh, but you know, people, people ask me things. I'm like, Oh, I haven't even thought about that for a while. Right. Uh, so my first question is I want to get caught up into speed. Like if you're the type of person, and for those that are listening, um, you know, in your last speech or one of the, the last popular, uh, you know, Ted talks that you did TEDx talks was about the 110, uh skills of of great speakers something like that i'm paraphrasing Mm -hmm. but in order to do that you had to research apparently five thousand uh yeah so speakers or speeches so anyone that will go through that (laughs) is uh obsessive uh is willing to do the work and my hunch is (laughs) that there's something some question that you have unanswered at this moment that you are trying, you are seeking to answer now. So bring me up to speed. What is the current quest that you're on? What is the current riddle you're trying to solve, my friend? Oh my God, that is such a brilliant, brilliant question. I've never Thanks. been asked that before, but it's uh, it's it's a great question. Thanks, buddy. Thinking about it, what is the next level? What is the next level? Well, the last seven years, uh, since I hacked my depression, I had a lifelong depression. I hacked that seven years ago and uh, came out to the bright side of life, which is the most beautiful thing I've ever done in my entire life. And nothing I will ever do will be even like, will even be close to that experience of going from depressed to not depressed. Uh, so the last seven years, I have been studying uh, the, the, the neurochemistry of the brain the psychology of the brain from that perspective and that led me to my next ted talk which will will be delivered in june this year 2023 which will be on the topic of how to on command produce your own neurotransmitters and hormones so that you more or less can rule over your own emotions and by so kind of define the quality of your life um, yeah, so I just published a book on that, and it's coming out all over the world, end of 2023. What's the title of that book, if you can share? It'll probably be called Six Substances That Will Change Your Life. How much can we dive into that? I, this has so many. This has created so many questions in my mind. <laughs> all right, let's back up. Wait, wait, wait. We'll get there, but uh, yeah. you let me know if we're getting too, too, too dense into the subject, but... Uh, I'm really interested, and it's not by uh, accident that a lot of my conversations on this show get to this space, right, of Mm. trauma, of depression, of our own stories that we're navigating and trying Mm. to churn through to get us to this other side. Sometimes we talk about very much, and we'll get there a little bit today, like the structure of stories and what's the inciting incident and things like that. That's all valuable to people, but very often we get to this point. And, buddy, I have my own, you know, the reason that we didn't have our initial conversation was because I lost my brother that week. Uh, I have Ooh, addiction. I am right. sorry, man. Sorry. It's okay. I mean, dude, I'm on the surface level right now. We're not going to go mm. there, but you can imagine, right? I'm not even, I haven't even touched that journey yet. 
Mm. And that certainly isn't the only one. Right. I grew up in a, you know, uh, uh, an abusive alcoholic uh, home trauma, baby. It's it's all about these things. And so I'm very interested in this. We could veer off and not say anything about storytelling and just talk about our own stories. I'm really interested in I empathize with that journey. Um, And I love that. Let's talk about this. You know, this quest that you went on was a was a personal internal quest and along the way you've uncovered these things you've learned these things and so you you, from my perspective from the outside perspective of watching your content the quest is more like research-based and you're learning all these things but you're going through an internal i mean this is stories right this Mm -hmm. is the emotional journey do you find that most people's quest in their career is really this like emotional thing that they're navigating this obstacle they're trying to overcome because in the process of you going through that you've unlocked a lot of things your career has grown your material has gotten deeper and denser and reached more people but that wasn't necessarily it's seemingly the journey that you felt like you were on is that fair uh, yeah that's fair to say that's a big question mm. i understand but let's talk mm, no i agree you know like the uh, the most successful people uh, probably bring a lot f- from their own story and it's it's usually a deep story for them which they've somehow learned to like hack or just borrow through or something like that and then they build their career based on that uh, I, I think what I do and not many do is that I'm constantly asking myself how can I teach somebody this? So it was super weird. Even from the day that I started hacking my depression, maybe not the day, but like a couple of weeks in, I was like, I need to document this. And I was deep down, like level wanting to kill myself. But I was like, I'm going to go on this journey. I'm going to hack this. And I'm going to document every step of it so that I can teach others. Uh, And I think that's a little bit where I differ because my i'm obsessed by the idea of giving other people knowledge and why is that what do you get out of that like or why are you motivated by sharing it it's it's a great thing i i share that i i feel similarly but Hmm. why do you think that is what is that really doing for you i don't know where it comes from my friend but somewhere in my upbringing somewhere i don't know where it comes from but I feel guilt. That is like one of the most driving forces in my life. I feel guilt for everyone and everything. I've learned to harness that into like pure nuclear power in order to then give to others, make others grow um, so that I don't feel guilt. That was where it all began. But now it's just turned into this machine where it's been converted into just the desire and and the love of seeing people grow it's yeah. uh, it's insanely addictive it really is that's such a great point that when i i had started public speaking 2018 or 19 and right when i was getting into the groove uh covid hit and kind of eliminated most in person speaking events and so i started doing like one on one coaching and i landed on that same spot when i started helping people have their little aha moments their light bulb moments The feeling Mm -hmm. that I received from that, because I have been there, I've had those moments myself. I still have them because I'm still on my journey. But that that's a it's a special feeling 
to help someone unlock that. Uh, you said, I yeah. think I might have gotten this from your, were you going to con- say something to that point? Now, like an example of that is, um, like, I received an email. Here's a story for you. Uh, I received an email from a man in the Philippines who wrote that, for, out of nowhere, where I didn't know who he was, he just wrote that I was walking to work. I saw how kids were being kidnapped, sexually abused, sold for drugs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He decided there and then to start his own. Um, what do you call those in English? You call them a. Um, God, how can you lose a word like that? <laughs> uh, charity. He, okay, start his yeah. own charity, right? Yeah. And he does that, and it doesn't work out. He helps a couple of kids, but nobody is contributing to the charity because he can't get them to do so. Running out of mon- money. He's been doing this passion now for 12 months, trying to save these kids. Stumbles over my TED Talk on storytelling, and he writes in the email that he does everything he's watched that talk a hundred times he does everything over and over and over again according to the recipe that i give him he then starts to pitch in a different way and then he writes at the end of the email and that's almost when i start to cry Mm -hmm. where he writes from that day when i started using that skill of storytelling I have now been able to move 16 kids from the street into schooling and houses because of the man, money that the charity is bringing in. But that's not that's not the end. The 23rd of December that year, he sent me just a video clip, nothing else, just his name and a video clip. And I'm like, what is this? And I open it up and there's, I think, around 35 kids from one year to 18 years singing my name. Uh, because they're no longer living on the street. So I'm not the hero of this story. That guy is the hero of this story. But it just shows the power of storytelling and that the content that we put out there, which we don't know who is reached by it, changes life at the very, very core. Uh, So, yeah, storytelling is, is powerful. Extremely powerful, and I, and I, this is what I love so much about it, and, and the show has just continues to reveal it, you know, it gets kind of, I won't say misused, but maybe overused as like a marketing term these days, right? Which of course it can be used as that because it's an extremely effective communication tool, but it's so much more than that. And that story shows it 100%. I mean, it's a connection tool. I, I you know, communication and connection tool for humans and how, whatever you're trying to accomplish, it can Absolutely. help. That, that was, that is profound. And back to your initial point that you're kind of driven by guilt, I get that. I I do think there's somewhat of an obligation. I think that we have, if we have able have been able to navigate something successfully, I feel that a little bit too. I wouldn't have maybe labeled it guilt, but I understand what you're saying because I do feel like we have an obligation to put that content out there, not even knowing how it might impact someone else's life. There's no way you could have predicted or even intended to do what you did, you know, indirectly there. Um, I want to go back a little bit and learn how we got here and i read something in your bio basically you were you were kind of fascinated with the brain at a young age is that true yeah and absolutely can yeah. you point to where that originated because um i'm fascinated with the brain as well now i don't know that i was as, as a kid but that that really interested me to think about like where's the moment where did that start and why well i think it was my sadistic mother she wasn't sadistic obviously <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she's yeah. a 
teacher in philosophy and she came in one day, I think I was 16, and she gave me a book and she said, read this. And it's a book that you should not give to a 16-year-old. <laughs> Maybe you should read that midlife, but it, because it's called The, the, the Exist- Existentialism by Jean-Paul Sartre. So it's, it's like the heaviest it's stuff heavy. around, okay? <laughs> and it flipped my entire perspective of life upside down when I was 16. Right. I'm like, wow, damn. So I am like, I'm everything. I am the universe. I am, I am also nothing and so on and so forth. And so that led me to explore myself more. And in my bookshelf or in our pa- my parents' bookshelf who loved psychology and neurobiology and so on, they were just loads of these books i just started reading and reading and reading and reading and i just became obsessed with the brain and i think psychology to start with yeah but after a while i figured out that there's something beneath psychology which is neurology or neuroscience Mm -hmm. and then i realized there's something under that as well which is biochemistry or biology our biology and then there's something under that level which is uh, our genetics and um, so all these levels, I just oh, kept yeah. diving deeper and deeper during my life. Yeah. And you can see, I can see it like uh, starting with, well, the first big one, death, death by PowerPoint, um, which is in that vein. Right. But like, it's, yeah. it, you can see that this is that level of those, those tiers that you just outlined. Were you, what was, what led to, were you from the like corporate environments? Like what, uh, what inspired you for that angle specifically? Uh, I uh, I started my own IT company when I was oh. 18 and I got a big contract of delivering a big IT training for IBM and yeah. I was to employ a bunch of other teachers and they sucked. Yeah. Uh, so I had to teach them how to train people based on what I'd learned about the brain, which then worked so much better. I even got a scholarship from IBM uh, at this point of time because my trainings were so much more efficient than others. So this just led me to building my first public speaking training when I was kind of 19. Wow. And I've just been doing that since then. And, uh, and PowerPoint is just, I look at a public speaking as there are kind of seven disciplines. And one of those disciplines is, is visual, um, yeah. visuals. Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm my background is in independent documentary filmmaking. So not total opposite of the of the corporate world. But I am a co-founder of a new startup right now. We're very early stages, but a lot of the people involved come from that. Uh, and so I've been thinking about you lately because I've been getting various presentations, decks, uh, PowerPoints. And you you see those classic issues where it's just like, what is how am I supposed to make sense out of any of this? It's just a bunch of it's just a bunch of text and numbers and figures and data and like oh my god, that is um, horrid. That is yeah. horrid, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. And I, you know what's crazy now? Where you got ChatGPT and and people are like, oh my god, you can use ChatGPT to to generate PowerPoint slides. And I'm like, can it get any worse? Literally, I went into that plugin and yeah. I just shoved in the presentation and it produced the slides and they were absolutely like that's that was worse than corporate slides. God, the direction of this. Yeah, I like many people have been very interested in it. And I think it will definitely unlock a lot of uh things and help aid with a lot of tasks. Um, but I had you know, if I tried to write something using it, uh, I almost found myself having to edit 
so much to make it like you know one comprehensible but two good then i'm like I, this doesn't really help me because if i start from scratch i get to the end you know uh better and quicker you know mm -hmm. what i mean it was like so certain things i think it'll be able to do but yeah it's not some people are thinking it's like a plug and play just you just drop it in and like oh i got my presentation i'm ready to go a uh, lovely way we used it for storytelling was that we're trying to well everyone's tr always trying to figure out who's their target audience so we just collected the data that we had from about 60 uh, from about 6000 customers that we've had uh, through the days and threw it into ChatGPT and asked them what is what is the overall story of these people uh, and it just brought out two stories for us that kind of summarized the profiles or the personas of these people and that was pretty cool to see so after after the death by PowerPoint uh, talk, I think the next one was when you really got into some of that, like the neurochemicals and neuroscience of storytelling. Is that right? Yeah. Mm. Let's 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 talk about that a little bit because, again, I think that often the story storytelling is such like a buzzword now, and one, I think people still struggle to understand what what it means like what a story actually is <laughs> i know Dude, so it's we so, it's so overused <laughs> our story here's our story here's our story like hey so and so that's not a story um i know i know god but... i you know i went into one of the one of the biggest companies in the world and they wanted me to coach their their entire like division of sales um, people yeah 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 and they constantly use this word story and they just brought up a PowerPoint. It's like, what's your story? Can you show me your story? What's the story? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this truly the definition of what a story is for you? You have messed this up entirely. Who, who conned you into this? That was horrible. Oh, man. I saw a video. This was years ago. but um, And I think that there was a response video to it. But... It was like a an architect like who designed bridges, and he's like, "Well, yeah. I consider myself a storyteller," yeah. and it's just like, but "You're an engineer. You build bridges. Like, come on, man." Um, so, psycho from that psychological perspective, we've already established the power and the and the reach of stories. Right? This this guy who reached out to you from where, where was he from again? That had the charity for the kids, the Philippines. The Philippines. So obviously, I mean, it's, it's redundant and, and it doesn't, it goes without saying that they're powerful, but, but psycho, from a psychological perspective, what's going on? Why is this something that taps into our brains so effectively, so profoundly? Uh, well, there's many answers to that question, but the, the most simple one and conclusive one is that everything that we see our brain translates into a narrative. Right? People are listening to this at the moment, and in their brain, uh, if they if 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 a pop if a thought pops up that they they need to go to the toilet, they will simulate how they will walk to the toilet, which toilet may be occupied or not be occupied, which toilet is the best, and so on. And, and we're constantly simulating our future, like constantly, and that's uh, it's kind of the the problem. Well, that is what creates anxiety 
because of these simulations of the possible outcomes of our future. And if we're not, we're not simulating our future, we are, we are replaying our past, which can cause depression, um, but also learn from this, of course. But the entire purpose, Okay, the entire function of it, the human being in the prefrontal cortex is to simulate the future, replay the past in order to understand our present. And because that is our entire perspective of life. Like mm. we never, we never see anything in tables, in bullet points, in paragraphs, in sentences. We don't, you don't even see it in still images. We are constantly seeing life, memory, future in narratives. So when I tell you a narrative, it just hooks straight in to the very core of how the brain functions. Mm, mm, mm. Man, that, that unlocks a, uh, a lot thinking about the stories that we have from our past, predict, trying to predict these stories of our future. Uh, I feel like we're kind of back where we started, which is this, this story that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. How oh, yeah. important... That's how the most important story. Right. This is where I'm going. Like, mm-hmm. why is it so important? And and it's, I think the answer to this is yes, but I want you to expand on it. Like, is this internal story, does that have to be mastered or understood or whatever, you know, first before we can start using it in an outward manner? Does that make sense? Run that one by me. I'll yeah. do this. I'll rephrase it. Yep. Why is it the most important one? What happens if, mm. yeah, if we don't yeah. navigate that story? What is at stake? Yeah. Uh, well, what, what I showed you in my TED talk on the magical science of storytelling is that I, on command, could create oxytocin, endorphins, and cortisol and dopamine in my audience through stories. I told a person a story. I created oxytocin in them. Oxytocin is a healing neuropeptide right? Uh, The thing is this, when we replay stories in our own head, they create the same substances. If you think about your kids, if you think about the loved ones, you will produce oxytocin. Um, And therefore, a lot of our stories, a lot of people's stories are cortisol driven, I stress driven. They are stories about the problems coming up in the future, about the problems that have happened in our past. So they are cortisol driven. Now, if anyone looks up the effects of chronic stress or chronic cortisol, you will see that it is the number one most poisonous thing that you can do to yourself in this life. Like smoking is better. Eating bad food is better. Chronic stress is super bad. So if you keep telling yourself what I call devil's cocktail stories, it'll put you in a bad place in life. And that's the worst. But even just playing stories of, imagine going into an interview and you are replaying stories of past failures in interviews. Damn, you kind of already lost because that will bring down your testosterone levels. And it has been proven that people who bring up their testosterone levels prior to an interview are more likely to get the job. So what you actually want to do before going into an interview is tell yourself the stories that actually bring up your testosterone, stories of, of confidence, stories of victory, uh, stories of conquest, mm-hmm. and obviously amplify that with music and body language to 
to amplify the testosterone levels even more. But yeah, it, it impacts everything in life. Can you elaborate on the devil's cocktail for, for those listening? The, the devil's cocktail is, well, the, uh, the opposite is the angel's cocktail. That's where you can create, you can deliver a story which creates serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins, testosterone, all of these which you would benefit from in life. Um, like I just gave you an example of testosterone. And other example of oxytocin in the angel's cocktail could be that you want your audience to connect with you. And people connect through oxytocin. So by telling them a story, like a story of vulnerability, you will produce oxytocin in your audience, just as I did when I told you the story about the Philippine guy that produced oxytocin most likely. Now, the opposite of this is the devil's cocktail. This is where you put yourself or your audience into a mental state which is disadvantageous for you. It's usually high, well, in my very, very simple definition, it is, it's just, it's cortisol, it's stress, it's adrenaline. Um, but it could also be the bad versions of serotonin and oxytocin. So it's, that's kind of it. Like go into your audience and ask yourself, are they high on a devil's cocktail? It doesn't matter what you pitch, they won't listen to you. You need to, as a skilled public speaker, within five minutes, you need to create an angel's cocktail in their brain through stories, through your words, through your appearance, how you walk, how you greet them. Uh, because that then you can pitch whatever you want to. I talk a lot about in my storytelling content about sequencing um, the order in which you know a narrative is laid out, the arc, etc. And mm-hmm. I remember not verbatim, but I remember when you were explaining um, how to spike someone's dopamine in one of your talks. Do you mind revisiting that? I just thought you did a very effective job of explaining it in the talk. Um, just the simple difference between a loose collection, you know, of, of events, the and thens, and mm-hmm. how to kind of spike that dopamine in, in one's storytelling. Uh, sure thing. It's, a quick example. I'll mm-hmm. tell you one story. It's 25 seconds long. The first one contains no dopamine. The second one contains dopamine. It goes like this. The man woke up in the morning. He put on his slippers, looked to his right, walked to the door, saw the wet tracks coming out of the bathroom, walked down the hallway, came to the balcony, looked over the railing into the pool, the end. Now, that is, by definition, a story. It's a boring story, so I may have actually lost your attention of those listening. What were you saying? So, yes, exactly, yeah. So let's add dopamine to it. The man woke up in the morning. Why was it so silent? It shouldn't be. He looked to his right. The bed was empty. His heart started beating fast. He put on his slippers. He ran to the door. It was open. It shouldn't have been. He saw the wet tracks coming out of the bathroom he screamed internally started crying ran down the hallway as fast as he could came to the balcony before looking over the railway railing he said to himself no say it isn't so the end it's literally the same story the second one contains dopamine 
and the first one does not. And the, the key to doing that is unanswered questions. When the brain does not know what's going to happen, but wants to know what's going to go, what's going to happen, you produce dopamine in the listener's brain. And in this case, it's you are you, the questions that are un, unanswered in the listeners at the moment is why was it so quiet? Why yeah. was the bed empty? And what was the problem with that? Why did his heart start beating so fast? Why did he put us on his slippers quickly? Why did he run to the door? Why was he worried that it was open and not closed? Why did he get, become even more worried when he saw the wet tracks? Why did he cry? Why did he scream? Why did he run down the hallway? And why did he stop just looking over the railing? About 10 questions were placed in our brain. And back to your one of your previous responses uh, in this conversation, we probably start answering those questions or forming a story, a, a potential story, right oh, in our heads of what happened. Yes. And then it either it either pays off because we were right, mm -hmm. or yeah. something completely different, which yeah. like catches us <laughs> off guard. But yeah, you know what's so funny? Like that's, that's the story that you, um, I think the exact one that you did in the in the TED talk. So I had heard it before. But this is what's so funny about the human brain. It still worked on me. Like you, you were on the second line and I'd heard yeah. this before yeah. uh, and it still worked. And I'm yeah. able to be conscious of that. Um, man. Yeah, that's that was that's perfect. I think a lot of people really struggle with that kind of, uh, you know, the opening and closing of loops or the, the askings of questions and the answering of those questions. But it's so important. It's it, it, it's it's everything to kind of that that rhythm, that internal rhythm of of storytelling. Absolutely key. It's like it's the foundation of every presentation, every story. And in a way, it's, I wouldn't say it's the foundation of life, but if you point me to a relationship or a life which lacks dopamine, <laughs> that is a boring relationship. That's a boring yeah. life. Like we want we want desire. We want to like the pure definition of dopamine is anticipation of reward. So when we get up in the morning, the reason why we jump out of bed is because we're looking forward to something. And that is dopamine driving us to jump out of that bed. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an important neurochemical just throughout life. And probably very important to, to, to try to get control of. I think it can also lead <laughs> the wrong way. <laughs> right. Where it's the devil in disguise, my friend. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, one thing I think that you're doing very well now is your short form content. Mm, uh, thanks, you know, I, I was familiar with your work just because I'm in the storytelling space. Um, but then, you know, I found your account on TikTok pretty early into my venture there, which I think is very successful. Uh, and you're doing a very great job of it. Uh, when you look at storytelling communication in general, which are almost synonymous or they should be maybe, um, what are the similarities and what are the differences in that kind of com in communication from the presentation perspective, the pub, the speaking orating perspective, and then in this concise short form video uh, approach, um, you know, I can probably assume some of the similarities, but there's challenges, right? Because I'm doing it in a 60 second video versus a 60 second or a 20 minute speech it's not entirely the same. So in what ways do you approach it similarly? And what are the, the, the changes in your approach that you have to make for those different, uh, you know, types of, of um, communication? 
Oh, well, that's a tricky world, you know. And and the thing is, uh, is if you ask me this question in a year from now, my answer will be different. If that's a fair point. The question one year prior to this, my answer would have been different. But it seems like um, one thing is true, though, currently, but there are exceptions. Mm -hmm. And that is that our attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And therefore, whatever you produce needs to be more extreme. Mm. And like, if, you, if you're doing a speech and you have people locked in on a, in a cinema... And there's right. 500 people there. You can pause and you can deliver that story with such passion. You can drag out a story for seven minutes because they won't leave. Uh, and not just because they don't really want to, is because of that the option you're giving them at the moment is the best option they have. But on TikTok, the person swiping, yeah. they think that they may find a better option. So even if you are this brilliant storyteller, they're like, there's someone out there who is more extreme than you are. And therefore they go, well, this is good, but I think I can do better. Swipe. Well, this is good, but I think it can do better. Swipe. And they just keep on swiping in the hunt for something that is violently extreme. Two second dopamine spikes, something they've never seen before, which alerts their brain in so many other different ways. So it's, it's, it's tough, but... Again, also what's interesting is that there seems to be a trend where people want more human content, like real content, but the algorithms aren't picking it up just yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think the trend is currently that they want more real content. I agree. If you listen to the conversations that are happening in the in the in the space and the culture i think that that shift is happening um i also agree that maybe the algorithm hasn't caught up with it yet but i i i tend to agree with that that it is shifting in in that way even in the short format though do we still care about these the same things as people like are will the same types of content grab their attention i understand we're reducing it to like you got to hit them hard hit them fast but are our values the things we care about are they still the, the same in that format like you know what you can talk about to kind of hook someone's attention on stage yeah what you know again they're you know like the uh, you can't really compare telling a story, a fictitious story, or even a real story compared to seeing it. And today people have filmed, like uh, I saw uh, the, 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 the US veterans coming or soldiers coming back mm -hmm. and uh, they haven't met their daughter who was born while they were gone. Yeah. And they come walking in on the airport and they see their daughter and they start crying <laughs> and uh, they just launch into this absolute oxytocin bomb. Now, I can't show up on TikTok and just tell that story because right. it is not as powerful as seeing it. Not at all. And, and there's billions of people filming things every day that is just, it just becomes more real and extreme. But I'll say this, though. Uh, that is that the stories that I've told on my TikTok channel are actually among the most consistently popular content. Mm -hmm. And that is 60-second stories about... I'd say 
wisdom stories, old stories, classical stories. Okay. And they're super enjoyed, like by millions and millions. So there's still an opportunity to tell stories in short form. I want to switch gears uh, before before we we go. I want to switch gears back to um, your personal journey through uh, through depression. I know through this conversation we've talked about basically the story you tell yourself, right? And if you're telling yourself kind of a devil's cocktail type of story, it, mm. it may lead to lead to that. So cha- reframing your perspective and your thoughts is a big part of that. But are, is there any? If there's someone else that's kind of that's going through that and spoiler alert, there's a lot of us. Um, is there any tactical advice you have like on that in the beginning of this, like the first steps? I'm always very interested in the like not the big picture um, theory or strategy, but like, what do I do today? <laughs> yeah. Uh, at step one or step two, when I'm at this low point in my life and I can't see a way to dig myself out of this pit. Mm hmm. Um, the um, see the most powerful thing out there, which is something that we can all do very quickly, is meditation. Um, so I'd say that that is that is actually one of the five things that I did to hack my depression to begin with, and then I added another ten, fifteen things. But the one of the five first things was meditation. I did twenty minutes a day. Uh, for six weeks and then I kind of saw the light uh, after that and um, and there are like scientific reasons why that is but meditation is not just a quick fix but it, it solves something at the moment but it also trains your brain to stop and not launder your thoughts over and over and over and over and over again it gives you the power to choose what you want to think which is incredibly powerful because it practically means that it gives you the power to your own play button on YouTube, but in your own brain. And if you don't have meditation, it's like your stories are just looping over and over and over again. But with meditation, you install a pause button and a play button, which you can then kind of control. I had some, uh, this is, I've always struggled with consistency lately. I've been yeah. fairly consistent. Uh, so it's, it's been helping, but recently at one point, um, uh, it was like a Monday morning. My wife was out of town for the week on a work trip. So I had both, I have two children and both of them. Now they're in daycare typically during the day, but it's a, it's a lot, you know, five, five, five or so days with, uh, with the kids by yourself. And my son uh, had an eye infection, couldn't go to school for a day or two. And my wife, who was just about to go to the airport, uh, was already worried about me because, you know, I I don't do well when things like knock me off course. Right. Or like if I, this was my plan for the day. And, you know, now that story has been changed. Mm-hmm. And so she was like worried because also she knows what it's like to be home when you're trying to work from home already full time and you've got a, a one and a half year old who's very needy this one beautiful and sweet and funny but very needy um and i was just like right before she left i was like no i'm, I'm i got it it's good it's good and yeah. i was even asking myself like why am i handling this so well and she's over there like <laughs> why is he handling this so well and i tracked it back the only thing i could can't come up with is like oh i've had a pretty steady uh streak of meditation that's the only thing and uh, can i guarantee that's why it was no but 
hey, that day, you know, I was able able to navigate that. What? So I, I also agree. And that's something that I've really tried to prioritize this year is, is being consistent with that and not and also not being hard on myself. If I miss a day, just hopping right back on the horse, as they say. Um, yeah. Can I ask what the other four things were? The four main things, as you say? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The, um, the second one was what I call stress mapping, which means that you write down everything that is what you define as a stressor today, a negative stressor. So you write everything down on a piece of paper and then you just get at it. You spend like two weeks reducing that list to zero. That's uh, you get rid of things and you uh, either you get rid of things or you learn how to solve them. For instance, in your case, meditation would have solved a bunch of things on your stressor list. So when I did this, I had 65 stressors. And that was obviously causing chronic cortisol and producing stories of a devil's cocktail kind. So uh, that was the second one. The third one was uh, focus questions, which is the questions we ask ourselves about life. Mine was so negative all the time. I was like, I had one which was going, what's wrong with that? 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 Which more or less just created an devil's cocktail every time I used it. Mm. So I rewrote my focus questions by simply persistence. I changed my what's wrong with that to what's amazing with that. And it was really hard to begin with, but give it two or three months and my brain got used to the new kind of question about life and about myself. So that was the third thing that I did. Fourth thing was exercise more regularly, which was uh, just brilliant. And... Um, say let's see the last one the last one would probably be in this case uh, mindfulness practice um, because the entire point of mindfulness is to not tell stories uh, it's about just enjoying the experience that you're in it's not about replaying the past or simulating the future it is just mm -hmm. about smelling the flower so it's literally the only time that you don't tell a story about yourself um, mm. and most people aren't very good at that as soon right. as they, right. <laughs> the, the, their mind just wanders off yeah uh, so i'd say those uh those five um, yeah that's important i the mm -hmm. the list i think is very effective and that's total perfect answer to my like tactical question because that's something that they can do by the way 65 stressors sounds like a lot is it, do you think that's a lot or is that pretty normal for folks or can um, you even say it's to me <laughs> i might have 100 i don't know i haven't done this exercise that's true well i have two programs in my company one is called present mastery how to become a world-class presenter and storyteller and then i've got another program called life mastery which is mm. how to become like just absolutely brilliant at life and and create the best life for yourself and in that training i keep asking people to do this list and it seems like about 25 percent have the similar amount as i have or more uh, mm -hmm. The rest usually end up with about like 30, 35. I'll report back because I'm also mm -hmm. going to do this. Uh, do it. This yes, please. This list. Uh, mm -hmm. Before we go, um, can you re can we revisit the topic of the new book that's coming out? The, the new tier that uh, you are pursuing, the new question you're trying to answer? Yeah. 
Yes, I launched it uh, on the 8th of November last year in Sweden, uh, mm. where I come from, or I'm mm. half, I'm British, half Swedish, and it became an absolute success. It's been the best-selling non-fiction book since then uh, in this yeah. small country, but it still proves that it's it's incredibly powerful, and it's uh, it's kind of the recipe to life from a neurochemical and biological perspective, from a practical point of view. So it's going to be called The Six Substances That Will Change Your Life. And I know at least 12 countries have bought the rights to it now. And it'll be another eight, I think. So about 20 this year. And the the UK one, United Kingdom, will be coming out in, in August, September. And anyone in the US will be able to buy that one as well. We don't so have the a... US hasn't, hasn't bought the no. right yet? We don't have the set date. I'll, for the US. I'll, ta- I'll talk to them. All right. Oh, you do that, man. You do uh, that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Send them to me. <laughs> Jesus. Um, can, can we talk? Can you tell me what those six substances are? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they are uh, dopamine, oxytocin, mm-hmm. serotonin, endorphins, cortisol, and testosterone. Mm. Um, and uh, you can actually see it like six kinds of happiness. People say that there's one kind of happiness, but there isn't. There's uh, so many nuances to happiness. There's actually nothing called or f- there's nothing in us which is happiness. That's just something we've made up. And a lot of people look for that thing which we just made up, but it's just. Well, and, and it's pretty yeah. subjective. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. What makes you happy might not make me happy. This is a question we, this is a whole other conversation, but this is yeah. a question we don't ask ourselves enough. It's funny. I I just finished rereading uh, Morgan uh, Hossel, I think is his name, The Psychology of Money. But the main one of the main uh, premises were that we don't ask ourselves like what game we're playing, like what we're trying to accomplish. It might not be what the the day trader is trying to accomplish. So why are we emulating his or her moves? It's the same thing with (laughs) happiness. Like you know that that uh, yeah. That that's a headache uh, waiting to happen. Just trying to decipher that, but that's really interesting. I'm also I'm interested in the role testosterone plays. I will certainly uh, be interested in reading the book. Uh, but the other ones tell me that, and this is a good way to wrap up our conversation. That everything is storytelling um, because those are the same the same chemicals. I will uh, I will send you a copy as soon oh, as it's out. Yeah, lovely, my friend, David. I could go on forever with you. I love the way your brain works. Uh, I'm really appreciative that you shared uh, some of your journey with us today. Um, Again, I think it's no secret that a lot of us that are trying to answer some of life's biggest questions are are really navigating something uh, significant. So I appreciate you sharing that with me today. Such an interesting conversation. I wish we can hang out and uh, chat in the future when I come over to to the US. If you come this way, you let me know. I haven't been to Sweden in a while, but I do have some friends in Stockholm, so I will uh, will grant you the same courtesy. <laughs> Love it, man. Love it. Bye, Take brother. Have great, yeah, have a great day. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. This podcast is a six-second stories production.
Six Second Stories is a story coaching and consulting company that builds online education, in-person and virtual training, and digital products that help businesses master storytelling to find their ideal customers and market to them effectively. You can learn more at sixsecondstories.com and purchase the book Six Second Stories at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or rainbennett.com slash sixsecondstories. 